This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. So I'm going to do something a, a little uh, differently, a little um, not characteristic for me, but something that we've been learning um, in, in our teaching. You know, what I, what I love is that is that um, we are continuously being ministered to by our pastor and we're being taught how to minister and how to communicate effectively with this church. You know, our pastor is not teaching us how to how to deliver messages and sermons that are going to be broadcast all around the world. She's not teaching us how to uh, set up conferences and, and, and drive big events and big rallies. But she, what she's doing is she's teaching us how to minister to these people, the people in this place, the people at Church of the Living Water. And so one of the things that that that. Um, that our pastor talked about is, is that whenever you, you have a, um, a message and your message has a question, make sure that you answer that question. Don't, don't allow the people to, to have any confusion in their minds about what the correct answer or what, what your answer is to that particular question. To make, make, it, make it clear what it is that you're talking about. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you all sort of a, a, a sense of what I'm going to be covering these next couple of weeks as we talk about authority. And then we're going, to, we're going to do a little bit of review and understand how all of this connects to the teaching that's happened already. And then we're going to get into some of the practical applications that you need to apply in your life. Is that okay? Awesome, awesome. So if you need a title for this message, the title is Unlocking Authority Through Obedience. Unlocking authority through obedience. You know, one of the things when I was a, when I was a child, I guess I, I was what they called a, a latchkey child, right? My mother, she uh, she worked, and uh, she was not home when we came home from school, and we all had so we had keys. But one of the things that that uh, as as a young child that I would often do is I would lose my key. And so while I was truly uh, belong, while I belonged in the house, if I had lost my key, then I needed to wait until mama got home before I could enjoy the privileges of the house. Now, I know some of you all are like, what? You know, y'all children are raised a little bit differently these days. I cannot imagine my son having to wait outside for any period of time, for any reason, for any reason. I, I'll be locked out of the house before he will be. But, um, you know, so, so, so while, while, while I was a member of the house and I belonged in the house, and the things that were in the house were, were appertaining to me, they were for my benefit. If I lost my key, I had to wait. I didn't have access to what was in the house. And it wasn't a long wait. Come on, it wasn't like child abuse, but... But, but if it was, it, it, it was her house. It was her house. She sets the rules, right? Right? We said, we said that, uh, that, that uh, God, he has a house. Whose house are we? And that he establishes the rules for his house. And so we're going to be talking about unlocking authority through obedience. 
And what I'm going to go, go through is just a, a recap in terms of what we talked about as an introduction to the house of God, an introduction to authority. We're going to talk a little bit about authority in God's house. And then we're going to really get into why authority is delegated. That authority is delegated for purpose. We're going to talk about that, that submission is a requirement for obedience. You know, there can be no obedience without submission. And just because you, you do the things that I ask you to do, just because you do the things that you're told to do, if there's no submission, that's not true obedience. That's not because as soon as, as soon as the eyes are off of you, right, as, as soon as something else comes up and takes the attention away, even though you might not know that you mean to, because it hasn't taken root in your heart, because it hasn't taken root in your heart. Listen, I'm not saying that you're a bad person. The scripture already says that. I don't have to repeat it. I'm not saying that there's no good thing in you. The scripture already tells us that. We all know that we're deserving of death. But without, without, without your submission, even, even though you might mean to do, even though you might have intended to do, without your submission, without placing yourself under authority, you'll find that, 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 you, that you won't follow through. We're going to talk about the, the model of obedience being Jesus Christ, that, that he, even though he found himself to be equal with God, that he, admitted him, that he submitted himself to the will of God. We're going to talk about the, that submission is, is, is your response to authority. The purpose of your submission and what the result of your submission is. And then we're going, we're going to wrap up by, by focusing on the position of the believer. And just so you know, your position is in Christ. Your position is in Christ. What that means is that if God is an awesome God, guess who you are? Your position is in Christ. That means that, that anything that, that you could have been or would have been or should have been, that if you place all of that under, that if you place all of that under, that when you are assessed and when you are judged, all the people can judge you by is the Christ that they see in you. Yeah. Right. They're not going to be able to judge you by your intellectual capacity. They're not going to be able to judge you by the riches that you have in this earth. They're not going to be able to judge you by the legacy and the, and the connections that you've made through the years. Or the things that you've done and made with your hands. When people look at you and they consider your life, they'll consider your life through how the love of Jesus Christ was being shown through you. And so when we talk about obedience, obedience is the key to unlocking the, the, the benefits of authority in your life. You know, your obedience, it doesn't alter God's power. Because you obey doesn't make God any more God. Because you choose to disobey, 
it doesn't take anything away from God. Your obedience, it doesn't do anything to change the finished work of Jesus Christ. If you harden your heart, when you hear his voice, it doesn't do anything to change the finished work of Jesus Christ. His work was perfect and it was pleasing to God. Listen, because you choose to obey, it doesn't do anything to alter the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit in the earth. Because we found out that, that, that God has spoken once. And when God spoke, all of creation, all of creation went into action. All of the scripture says that all things were made by him and they were made for him. That means they were made for his purpose. So even though you may decide to have a hard head, you're not going to alter the work of the Holy Spirit in the earth. Listen, you may not be the one to instruct your children, but God has a laborer. God has a remnant that will speak. You may have decided not to be faithful and to continue, but God has those. God, God, God still has those prophets that are hidden away, that have escaped the scorn of this world and that are willing to uphold his name. But what your obedience does, is it unlocks the power of God to work in your life. What your obedience does, it unlocks the power of God to work in your life. And I love the example where we, we, uh, we talked about how David desired to build the Lord a house. And God says, well, you know, I understand your heart and I understand your desire. And although you're not going to be able to do what you thought you were going to do, because you've placed yourself under, because you've, you've, you, you've, you've taken your ideas and your agendas, and you said, Lord, it's not what I want, but it's what you want. Because you place yourself under, now I'm going to be able to do a work in your life and through your generations. The will of God has to be foremost in your life. It has to be first. And when the will of God is first in your life, then the grace of God can work through you to accomplish his will. Amen. You guys have all that you wrote it down? Go to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. It says in Hebrews chapter 1, starting at verse 1, it says, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spoke in time past unto the Father, the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken by his Son, whom he have appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. In verse 3 says, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power. When he had by himself purged our sins, 
sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. And you know what I, what I love about this, about this passage of scripture is that it says that God, that, that he, he had, at sundry times and in diverse manners that he spoke to our fathers by the prophets. He says that, that now, in the last days, that he's spoken unto us by his son. So Jesus, we, 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 we found that authority has the last word. Jesus has the last word. Jesus has the last word. In, in, in times past, God spoke a certain way, but, but now he's speaking to us through his son, through Jesus Christ. And we'll talk about this. It says that he was the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person. And if you remember what I said before, Jesus was fully submitted to God. And so when you look at Jesus and you hear these these terms that are being used to describe him, why would you use these terms to describe him? Because he was fully submitted to God. So when you looked on him, all you saw was the brightness of his glory. All you saw was the express image of the person of God himself. You never saw any difference. You never saw any separation. You never saw any contradiction between what God had spoken and what Jesus was doing. And then the scripture brings it home that that Jesus, he actually... Having been all that from before the beginning, that he chose to involve himself with us. He chose to involve himself with men. That he purged our sins. And then he sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. So when we look at... at, um, Authority. We say that God's house is established with his authority. That he does all the work. God's house has a particular alignment. There's a positioning to God's house. And it involves relationship. It involves fellowship. And it involves authority. You're not going to be able to abstractly intellectualize this. You're going to have to get involved with it. It's going to have to touch you in your innermost parts. It's going to have to, 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 to touch you where you're tender. It's going to have to, to, to penetrate where you felt like you've been betrayed in the past. Where you felt like other people have let you down. But now God is saying that I'm a faithful God. We said that the house of God, it's, it's not a physical structure. It's not a, it's not a building, but what it is, it's a, it's, a, it's a spiritual order. I love that. It's a, it's a spiritual order. There's a, there's a progression and there's an alignment. And the purpose is so that there would be a constant Habitation of the Holy Spirit. 
God, God has arranged things so that there is a, a constant habitation where the Holy Spirit is always present inside of the believer. We said that when you're under authority, that power is on your side. When you are under authority, power is on your side. And then we talked about authority in God's house. And we talk about authority in God's house. We said that it was established. When was authority established? We said that it was established before the beginning. Before anything was created, God already was. And Jesus was there. He was wisdom. He was the word. He was by the Lord's side. And he was ever his delight. Before the beginning was, God was already there. We said that authority, it sets the boundaries. Authority says this far and no further. Authority doesn't take an opinion poll. You know, authority doesn't split the difference. Authority doesn't look for consensus. And what's going to be pleasing to the most people? Authority establishes the boundaries. We said that authority, it establishes order in the organization. If you ever go to some place and, and, and things are just not in place, things are just kind of haphazard, just know that there's no authority there. But every time when you go and, they, and everything is well-ordered, all things are, are progressing, line upon line, precept, precept upon precept, know that authority is there. Without authority, there will always be confusion. Without authority, there will always be confusion. I love how uh, Minister Hill, he talked about in a creation that, that there was darkness and authority spoke. Authority spoke and said, let there be light. And immediately there was a difference made between the darkness and the light. Without authority, there will always be confusion. But authority will bring order. I love when... Um, When I, when, I was a, when I was a child, and my cousins and my cousins and them, we would all be running around in the summertime. I just, I just love this time of the year where we, we get ready for the summertime. We'd be running around and, and just kind of doing whatever we wanted to do. And then my, my, my uncle Alvin would come home. He was a, a truck driver, so we, we knew when he was coming big old truck coming down the street. And, and as soon as he was getting out of his truck, we knew that we needed to straighten up. 
that we, we needed to, to check ourselves and make sure that, what, what, do you remember what, what Aunt B told us to do? That, what, I don't even, uh, what, ask. <laughs> because authority is here. And things are about to be set in order. And things are about to be set in order. You know, if, if you walk into your house and your children don't have any regard for your presence, if they just kind of are lounging around and slouching around like they were before, and, and their eyes are still fixed on their devices or on the, on the TV sets or whatever it is that occupied them before, just know that there, there's a lacking of authority in your home. There's a lacking of authority in your home. Now, I'm not saying that when you walk in the door, everybody needs to jump. But, you know, sometimes it's like that. But, but at least their ears, their antennas need to be perked up and says, oh, wait a second. Dad is home. And I know that whenever he comes, he wants something. He, ha- he, has, he has a thing that he's going to ask me. Even if it's, to, if it's to ask me about my day. It better not be to tell me to take out the trash. Or something else that I forgot to do. Authority establishes order. So, we learn all this about God. And God is awesome. God, God is powerful. He has the right to rule and he rules well. But what's, what's man's role in all of this? Man's role is submission to God's design and to delegated authority. Listen, your role is not to try to recreate what God has already established. Your role is not to try to be God in your home. Your role is not to say that I am the creator in my house. That I have the final say in my house. Now, you don't have to say those things. When you're under authority, those things are obvious. We, 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 we were, we were uh, Minister Haston and I, we were talking to, uh, to, to one of the ministers about Men say and what men don't say, what men have to say and what men don't have to say. When you're under authority, there's some things that you don't have to say. It should be evident in your actions, in your reactions, in your provisions, in those things that you cut away. Your role in authority, it's submission to God's design and to delegated authority. And I'm sorry, I'm still going through the review. When you operate under authority, we said that the benefits of operating under authority is that your needs are met. When you operate under authority, the things that the thing that you need is taken care of. When you operate under authority, you find yourself without lack. So not only are the essentials met, but you have provisions. Why is that? Because when you operate under authority, you need to abound and you also need to superabound 
when you're operating under authority, you need to abound, but you also need to superabound. Why is that? Because there are others that have needs. And if God can trust you to operate under authority, he can trust you to take care of those that are in his house. To meet the needs of those that can't meet the needs for themselves. And that's why when you're under authority that wisdom is given. Because you need to know when to extend your hand and when not to. You need to know when to speak a word and when to be silent. When you're under authority, when you're operating under authority, protection is extended. When you operate under authority, protection is extended. Because you're going to need it. If all that you do is done with the idea that you've covered that you've covered yourself and you've covered your bases, you haven't submitted yet. But when God tells you to do, when God tells you to go, and you don't actually know how you're going to do and how you're going to go, and you're out there, when you're at your weakest, that's when he shows himself to be strong. When you don't know how the situation will change, but you trust in God and you stay under authority. Protection is extended. And just know that when, when, when you know that, that, that as you put yourself out there, as you make yourself vulnerable, as you open up yourself, something that we talked about is that a city that's on a hill, it can't be hidden. That, that we are as, as lights and that we can't be put ourselves under a bushel. That we are exposed and visible to all around. I love in our AMC teaching, we, we learned that, that people have come to expect a lack of, of integrity, but they're hoping that they'll find it. They're, they're not surprised when they see a lack of integrity, but oh, there's a yearning inside that someone will be under authority. And so when you know that protection is extended, then when you operate under authority, just know that peace is available. You don't have to be consumed with worry about the needs of today or the needs of tomorrow. You don't have to dwell on the past about what did happen or what didn't happen. There's nothing you can do about it. The past, it's already gone. The songwriter said the past is over. When you're under authority, you know that peace is available. And so let's get into this. In order for these benefits to become real in your life, you're going to have to unlock authority 
through obedience. And again, we said that your obedience, it, it doesn't do anything to change God's power. God is still God. And the more that you understand and the more that you open up your eyes and the more that you, that you become thankful for and appreciative of, you found, find that, that he is even more awesome than you even imagined. If you just think about the very fact that you're in this room tonight, clothed and in your right mind, you know God is a good God. You know God is a good God. When you just remember that the enemy is out to kill you and to steal from you. But you've been hedged in on every side you know that God is a good God just know that that your obedience is not going to alter the finished work of Jesus Christ because what he did it's already done it's already in the books the price has already been paid I know you think that what you did is so bad that it can't ever be forgiven that people would have a low opinion of you. That they, would, that they would think differently about you if they knew. Hey, people, a lot of people would say um, wigs would be thrown back. If, if, if they knew what the person sitting next to them was thinking. But just know that the, the work of Jesus Christ is already finished. That he has paid the price for your redemption. Listen, there's nothing that you can do to change, to alter the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit in the earth. There, there's, what, what, I love the song uh, where it talks, um, the, the, the artist, he says um, that I'm not going to ever be loved any more than I am right now. That there, there's nothing that I can do to gain any more favor with God. There's, there's no work that I need to accomplish in order to, to try to, to, uh, to, to curry his acceptance. And there's, there's no wrong that I can do. Where God would be so disappointed in me that he'll turn away. The Holy Spirit is still at work. It's still at work in the earth. God has already put that power in the earth, in the person of the Holy Spirit. But what we need is we need the power of God to work in our lives, in our families, in our ministry. We need the power of God to be at work. We often talk about the gifts and callings of God and we say that they're without repentance. But guess what? There must be submission and obedience. Just, just know that, that, that if you're not submitted to the will of God, 
that God is not blessing your business venture in order to demonstrate the kingdom's power. If you're not submitted to the will of God, that God, he has no avenue to work through you. A lot of times we think that because good things happen, that, that, that that's the sign, that that's the proof that we're right with God, that God is with us. But just know, without submission, there can be no delegation of authority. Until you put yourself under his hand, how is he going to put his hands on you? So, we see here that authority is delegated for purpose. Authority is delegated for purpose. That word purpose, it, it speaks to positioning. It speaks to aligning. It speaks to order. Why? It, it's because purpose... It's positioning for a desired result. I don't often get a chance to, um, to, to watch television, but I used to get real caught up and excited about the, the March madness and the, the, the basketball games that were going on. Because to... to any casual eye, it, it always seemed as though these guys were just running all around, up and down this, 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 this court, this piece of wood. But then someone told me, they said that, keep an eye on this, on this player. What, he, what he's really good at, he's, he's good at moving without the ball. Had you guys heard about that? Without the ball. What that means is that this player is really good at putting himself in a position so that as all the other action is happening, that there will come a time when either he will be in a position where he can make the shot or he'll be there to be able to, to stop someone else, some opponent, from being able to prevent his player from making a shot. And that, that, that whole concept always fascinated me because everybody wants the ball, right? It says, give me, give me the rock. Give me the ball. I want, I want the ball. I want to be in control. I want to be the one that dictates the pace. I want to be the one that, that, that everyone is looking at and their eyes on. But it's those players that move without the ball. Those that put themselves in position. Why is that? Because they know. They have an expectation. They have an expectation of how the play is going to develop. And they say, well, you know what? I need to prepare myself now because I know that God will have need of me. He'll have use of me in the future. We said that purpose is command plus responsibility. Purpose is just not you telling everybody what to do and being the boss. Purpose, it's command. 
plus responsibility. And what is God's purpose? God, he delegates authority for the purpose of leading men into the knowledge of God. So that they can know about salvation, about saving grace. We also said that, that, that a delegation that is according to the will of God. And, and I, I had to put a period when I wrote that sentence because there were other things that I wanted to put after it. That delegation is according to the will of God and is not according to the person that is being delegated to. It's not according to your, your, your skills or your, or your own merits. But, but I said, no, don't, don't even add that. Just say that delegation is according to the will of God. There are no other qualifications behind it. God chooses who he chooses. And he puts into place who he puts into place. And he's not looking for your stamp of approval or endorsement. You don't have to co-sign on any of God's decisions. His credit is more than good. We said that submission, it is a requirement for obedience. And so when I talk about unlocking authority through obedience, I'm going to be talking a lot about submission. Because in my mind, submission and obedience, they go hand in hand. And this is how it works. Submission says that I'm going to put myself under. I'm going to place myself under. That's about positioning. That's about moving without the ball. I'm going to place myself under. Not according to my own ambitions, my own desires. In fact, I'm going to, I'm going to say that all those things, they rank less than what God's desire is. Now, did I say that I don't have any ambitions? Did I say I don't have any desires? We're, 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 in, this, we're in this body. We, we have ambitions and we have desires. But everything that I want... I consciously rank it less than. It's a daily decision that I make. Because you know what? Sometimes what I want tries to creep up in the rankings. It tries to sneak in there and says, well, you could just do a little bit. And I'm like, you know what? You're less than. God is priority. He is first. Submission is it's placing yourself under authority. We said that it, it's the work of the heart and that it is your commitment to God's purpose for your life. Submission, it, it's, it's your commitment. You're saying that I don't even need no explanations. I don't need any arguments to be made about it. You can say what you want to. It doesn't even matter. I'm already committed. You know, in the natural, when, when, when a, a man commits to a woman, it, it doesn't matter what you say about her. In fact, it doesn't even matter what she says about herself. 
when, when, when a man has committed to a woman, what he does is he, he carves out this space in his heart. He says, nothing else matters besides my commitment. You may not think that you are whatever. And you might think that I deserve something else. But I'm committed. Your, your parents might not agree. There may be some, some discussions about some other past associations that seem like they would be so much better. But that doesn't even matter. Because I'm already committed. When, when, when you're committed, that, that means that I have already, I've already jumped. I'm not on the ledge waiting to jump. We have these 90 degree days, but before, before that, our, our pool would, would sometimes sit at 70 or 80 degrees, and I'm, I'm a very particular person. I, I need the water to be a certain temperature. And, and for me, 80, 80 degrees is actually too cold. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just a wimp, I guess. But 80 degrees is too cold. And so, you know, when you are just stepping your foot kind of in the water, that's not commitment. When you're just kind of walking around at, at knee level and just kind of splashing a little bit, that's not commitment. Now, I know you're laughing, but that's, that's what some of you are doing when, when, you, when you come to church week in and week out, but you haven't put your hands to any of the work in the ministry. You, you lift up your envelope as, 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 as though there's something inside of it when you know that it's empty. And what are you saying? It is empty. There's no money in there. No, there's no there's no commitment. There's no commitment in there. You tell people that you'll be someplace and they're like, great, we're glad that you're going to be there, but we're going to make sure we have a backup. Because there's no commitment. But when you're committed, you get all the way in. You get all the way in, and it's scary, and your heart starts to race, but just breathe through it. Just breathe through it. God's got you. God's got you. We said obedience, then... If submission is placing yourself in the position, well, what is obedience? After you have submitted, obedience is your diligence, your focused attention, your deliberate effort, your directed activity to walk in the grace God gives. 
the grace that God gives you to carry out his will. Now, why do you say it like that? It's because it's not going to happen casually, but it's going to require diligence. It's not going to happen naturally, because your natural body is going to want to rebel and buck up against. But you're going to have to have focused and directed activity to walk in the grace that God has given you to accomplish his will. What does that mean? It means that, 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 that God has, has given you power, ability, wisdom, direction to go a certain way. But you, in your flesh, you say, oh, God, I see where we're going. I know what I know what you're trying to do. I I, I know what you're trying to do. I got a, I got a shortcut. I got a better way to get there, God. You said it was going to take years, God. I can get this done in three weeks. You said it's going to take sacrifice, God. I could just charge it. I don't have to sacrifice. Now, obedience is your diligence to say, you know what, I, I, there, there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end is destruction, that God, I'm going to do it your way. I'm going to do it your way. Even if your way means that, that, that my son or my daughter is going to realize the benefits that I wanted to realize. Lord, if you're telling me I need to gather the materials, that I need to put all the preparations in place so that my children can build the structure, I'll do that. You know, our, our mind says, let's, let's just outsource it. Let's just hire contractors. Let's, let's, let's hire specialists. They, we can hire specialists to do the, the designs. We can hire specialists that, 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 can, um, that can do all the uh, um, site work. We can hire, we can hire specialists that can, that can find the site. We can hire specialists that can, that can do all the preparation work. But what I, love, what I love about this ministry is, you know, our pastor, he could have brought in ministers from anywhere. He could have recruited singers from anywhere. He could have paid musicians to come and to render services. But our founding pastor says, you know what? The order that God has shown me is that we're going to raise up the talent within our own ministry. We're going to raise up what we need is already in the house. And he said, if I, if I trust God, I know that there will be people in the congregation that will take their children to lessons and lessons and lessons. Even when their children don't want to go. Even when they say that they've lost the passion for their instrument. But they'll, they'll continue to press them in to the work. 
so that they can be in position. They're going to move those children even when they don't have the ball. They're going to get them in position so that when it's time, we have people in this ministry that will, that will set a standard for learning and diligence. That, that they will set a standard for financial responsibility so that their homes are not in distress, so that their children are not scattered all over the place. That their children will be made to go to school so that they can come to church on Wednesday nights. Because if we train them when they're young and that desire grows within them, we're not going to send them all over the country. Why? Because the return trip is not guaranteed. We're not going to tell them to sow your wild oats. We have to be diligent. This is, this is what obedience is. See, we think that obedience is that what you said today, I did today. And that's a part of it. Obedience isn't how quickly you respond to what God is saying. But it's also, how has your heart been changed where you have made room and said, Lord, I am committed to your will and to your way. And that means that even my plans for the future have you in mind. That anything that, that, that we do, anything that we desire, anything that we plan, it's all about the kingdom. And it's not about the kingdom in an abstract manner. We have too many CME members. What's that, Christmas, Mother's Day, and Easter? That they don't mind saying a prayer and holding hands at, 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 a, at a reunion or, or, or at the appropriate time. And they can tell you all about the Bible lessons that they learned. But they haven't submitted themselves to authority. They have not made that commitment that says that, you know what, it doesn't matter what the world has to offer. God is all I need. In Him is all of my provision. We have to be diligent to walk in the grace that God gives us. You know, there, there, there's, a, there's a thought that says that, that you need to send your, your, your children to an Ivy League school so that they can make certain connections. There's a thought that says that you need to be able to, uh, to, uh, to send your children to, to different places around the world so that they can be culturally conversant. That means they, they, they can talk to different, uh, uh, different levels of people and be able to relate to them and be able to do deals at a higher level. And I'm not going to get into all of it, but, but we know through experience that all of those things are, are, are wrong. 
that they're completely false. And normally what they are is they're perpetrated by people that, that, that have nothing, that are trying to get something without doing the work. You find that the people that, that actually have it, they keep their children close. People, they, they always, they, 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 they say negative things when, when, uh, when someone is rich and their children work in the, in the family business. They're like, oh, that's nepotism. Well, you know, you call it what you want to. It's generational thinking. They say, you know what? I've worked all of my life and I cannot imagine any place else where I would send my children to work. And here in, the, in, in ministry, we, we, are, we commit our lives to Christ in a place. We come week in and, and year in and hear the teachings and submit ourselves to the instructions. And then we tell our children, go find a church of your own. Go, go, go find a church where you can hear from God. Listen, it, God is speaking here. If you're not hearing God here, it's because you're not listening. If you're not hearing God here, it's because you're not listening. And you're not listening because your heart is full of sin. And your desire is to iniquity. Listen, I, I know you say, well, they can just go to someplace else and at least they'll hear the word of God. Listen, the, the return trip is not guaranteed. The return trip is not guaranteed. The, the, what I mean by that is that the prodigal, he went out. And then he came to himself and then he came back. And the father received him. And there was a festival and celebration. But don't you know that the return trip is not guaranteed. There are many that go out and are gone. There are many that go out and disappear. And just think about this. If your children have already set up a pattern in their minds that, you know what, I can say that I'm committed to one thing, but when my heart and my lust pull me away, I can go ahead and say that I'm committed to something else. And then when my, when my, when my heart and my lust pull me away, then I can, I can say I'm committed to something else. And that's why one man has six children by five different women. I'm sorry. That's why some women have six children by five different men. Oh, I've seen it happen. I can tell you the names. But then I get a call from my sisters and they'd be like, hey, you know why you put family on blast? Christ, he was he being found equal with God, submitted himself to the will of God. And so we see that submission was Jesus Christ's response to authority. Go to Philippians chapter 2. And what I love about this is it talks about the mind of Christ. 
and it seems like in my studies that, that we're always coming back, I'm always coming back to this particular scriptures, that this, that this, this mind of Christ is, is what we all need to develop, that we all need to cultivate. It says, starting Philippians chapter 2, let's just start with verse 5. It says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ, who being in the form of God, didn't have any low self-esteem, didn't have any doubts about his abilities, didn't have any doubts about his entitlements and what was due him, didn't have any, any of those, those, those carnal considerations. But Christ thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. That Christ, he said, you know what? It doesn't matter who I could be outside of God. I am God. Right? Christ, Christ is God. You're not God. Christ is God. But he says that he made himself of no reputation. He didn't, try to, he didn't try to make his own name in any regards. But took upon himself the form of a servant. And was made in the likeness of men. Verse 8. And being found in, a fashion, in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. He submitted himself. He put himself under. And this, this, is where, this is where I'm telling you the connection is that in submission there's obedience. It became obedient even unto death. Even the death of the cross. Your, your submission your submission has to be the point where the only result is Obedience. Your submission to the will of God has to be such that the only natural result is your obedience. It can't, it can't just be an intellectual exercise. It has to be to the point where you say, God, what, what you say, that's how, I order my, that's how I'm going to order my life. You know what, God, what you say, that's what I'm going to put in front of my children. I cannot imagine putting anything else in front of my children except the word of God. There's no, there's no thing that I could say is pleasing and good for food except the word of God. And we see here that his reason, his rationale, why... why why did he submit? What was the, why was he put in that position? Why did he have to go through all of that, all, all of the scorn, the mockery, the disrespect? It was for your redemption. It was for your redemption. Listen, I'm talking about Jesus, but you should be, you should be hearing some things that echo in your life. Why, why do I need to why do I need to 
endure the, the comments and the remarks that other people make. The questions that I get from my own family members and the things that I need to explain over and over again in my own house. It's for your redemption. It's for your redemption. John 3 and 17 says, God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So we see it was all for your sake. It was all for your sake. I remember that whenever we had to do unpleasant chores, we say, well, why do we have to clean the walls? Why do we have to do these things? And mom would say, you'll, you'll, you'll understand. You'll understand one day. You'll, un- you'll understand the reason why one day. You know, the old folks, they used to say, by and by. When the morning comes, when your morning comes, when the time comes for you to finally wake up. See, we think we're awake now, but we're just, when we finally wake up and we're with him, it says we'll understand it better. We'll understand it better by and by. So last thing, and I'll, and I'll wrap this up, is that what was the result? We know, we know why he did, we know what, what Jesus did in his submission, in his obedience. We know why he did it. How did that turn out? How did that turn out for him? And I love that, that Jesus himself, in case anyone had any confusion about the matter, he, in his own words, he says, in Matthew 28 and 18, he says that all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. That he was exalted as a result of his submission. In Philippians 2 or 9, where we were already, it says that, Wherefore God hath also exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. Jesus has the last word. He has the final say. And so what, what, is, what does that mean for us? If, we, if he is our example, if he is our model, then where are, we, where are we supposed to be? How are we supposed to be positioned? We're to be found in Christ. We're to be found in... We're not trying to reproduce or replicate any of the things that he did. We're not trying to be another Jesus. We're not trying to be another God because we can only be a poor imitation. What we, what we want to do is we want to be so far under in the eyes of men that they say, you know what? He may have an ambition, but what I see and what, what is active in his life is the will of God. She may have a desire, and there may be things that she wants, but what I see and what she acts on is the will of God. And I can only credit all the good that she's done. I can only credit 
all the good that he has done to the grace of God. The grace of God at work in their life. Amen. We're going we're gonna to continue and talk some more about your position as a believer because we need to be found in Christ. Found in Christ. Stand to your feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.